Hi, this is Susan Bond. Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast sharing the stories of independent creators. This week we have Richard Schneeman on the show. Richard Schneeman, gosh, I have a hard time with that name. Welcome to the show, Richard. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's a little uh, of a hard one for me to say, and uh, as I as I understood, it's German for snowman. Is that correct? That that is absolutely correct. I can only assume that my great ancestors used to uh, be professional snowmen. That's awesome. So I'm like thinking of Frozen. I want to build a Schneeman. <laughs> I should stop that. Okay. So, um, so anyway, um, Richard is the um, Ruby language owner at Heroku. Um, basically, he maintains the Ruby build packs. He also blog week, blogs weekly at schneems.com. He's an organizer of Keep Ruby Weird, and he's the creator of Code Triage. That's you. Did I get it all? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Perfect, perfect. Okay, before we get started on all of that, I just I have to ask a quick question about something from your Twitter profile. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you'd be willing to share the story about why you once ate a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the scorpion was it was dead at the time. Um, oh, okay. It was I was wondering about the stinging. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That would have been. Um, it was in. Uh, I took a when I was in college. I went on a study to China, and I was in Beijing, and they had fried scorpions, and the scorpions were actually skewered on a stick and alive when you ordered them, um, and then they just put them on a fryer and uh, then you know handed them to you. It was they they kind of tasted like crunchy peanut butter if you didn't look at them. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah. And they skewered them alive. Like, would it squeal when they put it on the stick? I mean. Uh yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, uh... I don't know what noise It was kind of horrific. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go to the gross place, but I'm thinking, wow. Okay, so, so they taste it, but, like, was it, is it, like, a delicacy? Or it's not something that people order all the time, is it? No, no, no. This, I mean, this was, like, so, actually, what, I was actually, actually looking for it, because at the time, this was back in 2006, and um, my mother had bought me like a Lost Planet guidebook or something like that. And she was reading through it and she just like yelled while she was, you know, I was in the back of the car or something. And she's like, they, they have scorpions over there that you can eat. And so for, it was kind of my running joke. I was like, I have to find a scorpion. And everywhere I went, I looked for them. Um, and I was like, I have to get this picture. Like, I have to get that photo. And... Uh, uh, like, I only found it in one place, like, the tiniest spot in Beijing out of, like, all of the different places I went to. So it's it's totally, like, not a thing. Um, like, as far as I can tell, it's basically, like, a kind of a tourist, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe they're, like, it was just the stand stole a bunch of weird stuff that you could eat. That's totally edible, but it's, like, not normal uh, local fare. Oh, God. Interesting. Okay, good. All right. Well, I just had to ask because every time I see that on your Twitter profile, <laughs> I, I think he ate a scorpion. Uh, yeah. So, so thank you. So that, that, we're not going to talk about uh, Richard eating scorpions and we, all the weird food he's eaten this whole episode, but I did have to ask. Okay. So now we all know what, what scorpions taste like. If you uh, kind of shut your eyes, they kind of taste like peanut butter. Yeah. yeah not too bad. Yeah, love it. So um, I'd love to talk to you today about uh, Code Triage. Yeah. Um, that's uh, one of your side projects. And can you tell us a bit more about uh, Code Triage for the folks who aren't familiar with it? So yes, Code Triage is the easiest way to get involved in contributing to open source. Uh, so that's kind of like the, the, the pitch, the tagline. 
basically, if you are interested in a project, let's say um, Rails, the Rails framework is really popular, and you say, oh, I really want to get a uh, start contributing to Rails, uh, but I don't necessarily know how. Um, you can go to codetriage.com slash rails slash rails and, and sign up and say, like, I want to help. And basically what, what we do is, um, or, or I guess even taking a step back, a, a, an integral part of open source projects is that when people have problems or people find bugs, they open up issues on them. Um, so, so you can go to github.com slash rails slash rails and say, hey, this thing breaks when I do, you know, A breaks when I do B. Um, and there's tons and tons, um, like literally hundreds of these issues, and it's really time consuming. Um, the people who actually maintain the project have to spend all this time saying, hey, you know, what version of Rails are you using? Or can you give us an example app? And just these, you know, over and over and over and over again, and then they don't get to spend any time actually fixing the things. Um, and so what Code Triage does is it, um, it kind of crowdsources that, that process and sends you just one issue, uh, just a random issue, and then gives you some prompts so you can look over it and you can say, oh, did they say what version they're using? Did they provide an example app? If they did provide an example app, can you, can you follow the instructions and get it working and then report up to you know, anybody else who comes later, hey, I, I can confirm that the, I you know, reproduced the bug. And it might only take five minutes or ten minutes of your time, but then that's five minutes or ten minutes of the maintainer's time um, that, that you're saving. So that's kind of the core, uh, the core premise. That's huge. Yeah. How did uh, Code Triage come about? Yeah, so um, once upon a time, <laughs> um, uh, there was a huge backlog. I think there was something like over a thousand, um, a thousand Rails issues. And this is a project that I, I care about. And um, one of my online friends, uh, his name's Steve Klabnik, he basically just sat down over a weekend and like opened up like a thousand tabs on Chrome or you know Firefox or whatever, and like just spent the entire weekend responding to as many issues as he possibly could. Wow. Um, and then like you know, like after he did, it was this huge gargantuan task, and like everybody was like, "Wow, you know, great job, thanks, like you're amazing." And and after that, he got um, he got commit access to the 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 um, the repo, and then he you know now he can close, and now he can merge, and now he can do all these other things. Um, but another thing I noticed is that it I mean it took a huge it was it was great that he did that, but it also took a huge toll on him. Um, like it's it's not that's not something that. It's like, yes, maybe that's something you can do once a year, but go sitting down and spending your entire weekend just staring at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these issues is not how, um, like, I mean, it's kind of the, the dark, dirty work of, of open source, but, it, it, you know, it's not how, it's, it's how the sausage gets made, but it's not how anybody actually wants to be spending all of their open source time. Um, and so I, I saw him do this, and... Uh, and I wanted to help, basically. And so I sat down, and I opened up, like... 50 tabs and then I, I looked I read one of them and I was like okay this is really boring and <laughs> I don't want to do this <laughs> um, and and uh, and then I was like there's got to be some way that can just like spoon feed this to me right like it's not hard to do just one it's like just if somebody gives you one issue I can just I can read through that I can dismiss it I can you know um, respond but um, it's just so daunting to have to do all of them and then that's where I got this idea that I would you you know write some scripts that basically just randomly pulled some issues off of GitHub and, and sent them to me and emailed them to me so that like and that was critical because I wanted it to be a um, 
a push action, like something pushed onto me, like, hey, you know, it's a Tuesday, why don't you, you know, do some open source, as opposed to being a thing that I actively had to, to remember, and that way it became, uh, it became a little bit more of a habit for me. And um, so I, I wrote up a really, uh, really quick, you know, script and like started doing that just to see if it was useful for myself. Um, and after like a, actually a relatively short period of time, I by, by doing that, um, Rails gave me commit to to the project, and so I, now I can close issues and merge things. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really you know, it's 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 so valuable just doing this, commenting on an issue here and there. And granted, I, I had some other pull requests and other things uh, involved with the project before that, but um, that was the kind of the thing that that pushed me over the edge and. Um, th and then they gave me gave me access, and, and it, it's like it was kind of validation for me, saying, "Oh, you know, maintainers want more of this." And I thought, well, if it got, if it if it worked for me, maybe it'll work for it'll work for other people. And then I I turned it into kind of a a web service where you can sign up and then sign up for arbitrary um, uh, arbitrary projects, and yeah, and then it kind of. And it basically grew from there. People would just respond and be like, "Hey, you know, can we sign up to like a specific time of day to get emails? And can we do this? Can we do that?" Um, one of yeah, yeah. Yes. So sorry. So so you did it for yourself, and then you decided to put it out on you know the website. And how did you come up with the name Code Triage? I mean, it's pretty. It's a great name. Oh, um, thank you. So uh, it actually started off as as issue triage. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and so. Uh, I kind of had a, I spent some time and I quietly kind of soft launched it to a couple of people. Actually, Steve Klabnik, I like, I messaged him and I was like, hey, would you mind trying this thing out and telling me what you think? Um, it's like, you know, it was kind of, it was like sort of inspired by your life, uh, personal experiences. And so um, I went through all of that and then I was going to RubyConf in, uh, in Denver. This was a couple of years ago. Four years ago, maybe. I yeah, I was wondering when did you launch it? When did you like first? When was that weekend that you saw, you know, him, you know, Steve saying, you know, doing this, and and then you following on? Was this? This yeah, this was a while ago. I think it was about five years ago. Okay, um, got it. Okay. And then and then I and then I at uh, RubyConf in Denver, I signed up to give a lightning talk. And and pitch this basically. Oh yeah, because um, that RubyConf like, was like 2012. I think it was that RubyConf in Denver was like 2012ish or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I was actually trying to find my timeline about this relatively recently, but I just remember because I I didn't go to the conference, but I met up for drinks with everybody afterwards. So it was either okay. 2000. I'm pretty sure it was 2012, but I could be wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. So and and so so I I launched that and. Um, and, and it sort of kind of took off from there. Like there were several. Uh, I think Thoughtbot was there, and they, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we want to like, we want to put this in our newsletter and and all all this, you know, all these other things. Um, and it was still called issue triage at that point. Yeah, and that was still called issue triage. And one of the things that made me change it was one of the sponsors at the conference was I triage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, and so it was really confusing. I was like, issue triage. And um, and, and also I thought maybe at the time um, code climate was really big. And I thought maybe people aren't don't realize that this is a product for coders. 
Um, and, and so I was like, well, maybe code triage. And I will say that a lot of non-native English speakers um, or, or French speakers, uh, I think triage is actually a French word, um, don't understand what triage is. And so I do kind of wish there was a more uh, generically like, mm. um, you know, I, and my, my mother was a nurse, uh, and, and so like triage comes from whenever it's like you hurt yourself, you go to the hospital, the first person you see doesn't actually fix your problem, but they triage you to see where to go to fix your problem. Exactly. They're like, they're like prepping you, they're getting all of the information, they're making sure they know how serious it is, mm -hmm. all of those things. Yeah, I've been, I've been in emergency rooms. Yeah, which is, which is still <laughs> so just I'm familiar a huge, with that word. Um, so, okay, so, so basically it came, the, the name came from the idea of emergency rooms, mm -hmm. and you decided to make it more of, the name was code triage, to distinguish it from I-triage, and then also to give the idea that it was about code, mm -hmm. right? Got it. Cool. And so once you put it, you know, you got to code triage, is that when you launched it more broadly, or when did that start happening? Oh, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just, I pushed it really hard and then kind of just let it, uh, let it go on its own. Um, there, like, there, it just, there was a, there's a number of, uh, a number of features that I, that, like, so this was always my side project. And I, and I will mention, um, one of the, one of the things that allows me to do this, um, and I, I think it's really nice that we're encouraged to do, is that I, since I work for Heroku, um, I'm actually able to run it for free on Heroku. Basically, like I, I get free server time or whatever, free free dynos, and um, I've used this app kind of as a. On one one hand, it, it's really good and it's really beneficial for open source community, but also it's a real app that gets real traffic. And if it if it has downtime, then people care. Like it, people will get get upset, and so um, it's a way that I can kind of dog food. Uh, and and use my own product, use the services that I'm I'm actually building at Heroku, and and get real world um, uh, usage off of that without. Um, That's so great. Yeah, That's, I mean, it, yeah. and it's yeah. I I try to double dip, <laughs> kind of whenever whenever possible. Are hard things sometimes about side projects when you have a full time day job, right? how to mm -hmm. balance that and manage that. And so, and that double dipping for you seems to work fine and your employer is totally happy with it and no problem with it because that there's a connection between the two, right? They relate with each other or you can use them to, for your day job. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, not, it's actually interesting because not only that, but I've had um, other coworkers basically say, oh, I want to try out this experimental thing. I want to, you know, see if we can do this. I want to write a, write documentation for how to do this. And, you know, all the time I'm suggesting, it's like, okay, why don't you do it on my, you know, on my app? So instead of, uh, like, there, there's a lot of edge cases that you hit when you're working with a real application and, and real data, real users versus just coming up with a Hello World app that it doesn't matter if, it, if, it, if it's crashed or not. Oh, interesting. That's so great. And you keep saying, like, it's a real app that gets real traffic. Like, uh, if you don't mind disclosing, like, uh, what do you mean by real traffic? How much is that? Um, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I, it just as opposed to like synthetic, like it's real, it's human ah. creating, um, you know, actually clicking on links as opposed to, it's like, I, if I wanted to, I can write a script and have 10,000 hits on my homepage, but it's not, that's not actually how people, that, that wouldn't be a good indicator of what, what humans would be Dude. loading my site with. 
Um, so, so currently we've got about 20,000 developers signed up uh, and about 2,000 uh, projects, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is, which is it's, it's actually been really, um, the, really overwhelming. I mean, granted, it's taken me four-ish years yeah. of, of being launched to get here. Um, and there's a number of like, other projects that um, are, like, try to encourage people to get involved in open source. And we, we kind of tend to cross-link. Um, I think one of them is uh, 24 pull requests that encourages people around Christmas time to, if they have time off, to spend some time uh, working on open source. And kind of at the end of that, they link and they say, oh yeah, you know, here's another project if you kind of want to keep going. Um, and on and off, I've added other features. Uh, like one of my, one of the other really big features is um, is documentation. So it, yep. if you so yeah, if you want to write documentation for a project, um, it gives you it, it'll tell you undocumented methods and kind of send those to you in in your inbox. Um, but yeah, I mean there there was definitely some periods of time where I would spend a ton of effort and energy and hours just like in my free time while I'm like flying in between. I used to go to a, a bunch of tech conferences and I would be like super jet lagged in like an airport in I, I, at one point in time I was at an airport in Hong Kong I think, um, and I had something like an eight hour layover and and due to the way the airport is structured they like forced me out into like the general concourse so I I couldn't just like find one spot like right by the terminal or or like yep. a lounge or something um, and I'm just hammering away at this feature for like six hours. Uh, and then I and then I launch it, and then like basically nobody cares. <laughs> like I tweet about it, and it's <laughs> like it gets like it gets like a, one like, or I guess back in the day it was like a fave. Um, After you'd spent hours on it, and that is such a. Th I mean, that is such the story of everyone who's ever created anything, right? It, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> look at how amazing this thing is. Well, and and then I also had a problem with, um, like a lot of people hadn't heard of it, but mm -hmm. it. I didn't have a, if it was a real product, maybe I would have also had like a blog or something where it's like, hey, here's a product announcement. But it's almost like every time I'd add a new feature, all I could really do is link to the homepage and describe the feature. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So you didn't have all that other stuff built up around it because it was a side project. And I'm sure it sounds, here's what it sounds like, that you were so busy trying to create the features that you didn't have time to blog about it or add those other things because you you were doing this on the side. Oh yeah, and and um, I mean it's like I, I don't have a Twitter handle. I don't have like you know it's just all the it's like nowadays I guess a medium, you know, feed or something. But um, so if you this is a, a I love this because this is this is I think a lot of side projects right they don't have a lot of these sorts of things and you don't have the resources and I just don't mean money I mean time right that's a mm -hmm. huge yeah I mean obviously for open source this is you know part of what code triage is about is they don't have the time to do all of this there's just simply not enough hours so how did you like how did you get people to hear about the project and then when was that spike? You know what I mean? There's always like the hockey stick or more, maybe it was even just a slower growth when it really started to take on. Because I mean, now you have, you know, 20,000 developers and 2,000 projects. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how you got it into the world and when, when that spike of, or, you know, when it started to gain traction? Yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time on engagement and trying to build something that people wanted. Um, like one of one of the things that I really kind of early decided on was that you shouldn't be able to just 
disable getting emails. Like if you were signed up for the service, like you were getting emails. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So like if, if you, if you're like, no, I really don't like this. Um, it's like, that's fine. There is no like disable your account. There's a delete your account. Um, and so it's actually kind of interesting because I, I've made a couple of um, mistakes. Like I actually made some code mistakes that like accidentally spammed a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> and and it's like on my homepage, it lists the number of ac the number of people who are signed up for the service. And after that happened, I lost like three hundred users because um, you accidentally spammed them. Spammed them. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that happens. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that's awesome. Just like <laughs> I love you to anyone who listens to my podcast. Now I love those sort of those stories because that happens. We uh, those mistakes happen. There's always bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I was supposed yeah. to be sending them like one email a day, and I ended up sending them like 24 emails, and they're like, no, 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 I'm I'm done with this. I did not sign up for this. <laughs> um, uh, and 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 I mean other things like some people asked for the ability to oh I want to specify the frequency which I get emails like one a day is too much too much and I struggled with this for so long um, and eventually I ended up building kind of an auto rate limiter that like if you are getting the emails and you're clicking on them and you're engaging on it then it'll keep on sending you emails relatively frequently um, versus if if maybe you know maybe you're on vacation maybe you're just a little burned out or whatever um, it kind of it kind of goes from once a day to once a week and then to twice a week and then to like once a month um, and yeah. uh can i ask you a question yeah why uh, i'm really curious i'm going to go back a step for a second about this email that you decided that you could not you could delete your account but you could not disable email and why was that what why was that the mechanism and why was that a part of your the, the decision you made on the product uh so it's some of some of it was was technical um like if i'm going to add the ability to have a like inactive user like a just a user account where I just have some sort of a flag that it's like you are inactive. Um, it's kind of a pain for me to everywhere in my product, every single query, every time I want to like send an email out to users or or search, I have to like filter these people out. Um, oh. And and so in my, I mean, I've worked at a number of other uh, companies. I worked for um, Gowalla, which was like a geolocation social network. Yep. And um, and it's like I didn't want to do that. Like the other option is we can make a separate table and we can copy those users over. And I was like, oh, okay, well, sure, I could do that. But like, what? I guess what would be the what would be the benefit? Um, oh, and another thing that I'm doing is when if you sign up but you don't actually sign up for a. Um, to help with a specific project, we send you an email a week. And it's basically like, yes, this is annoying. Yes, we will keep on sending you these emails. No, we will not stop. Um, because basically, like, if, like, I kind of want to put my money where my mouth is. Like, I, I don't want signups just for the sake of signups. Um, so great. Yeah. And, and if I can't, um, like, at one point in time, I struggled with, like, oh, well, I don't want to accidentally, I don't, I don't want to push people to leave by sending them too many, you know, open source issues to help with. And it's like, well, they came here to help with open source issues. Um, if if them signing up, if me sending them what they signed up for makes them leave, then like that's actually better for me. Um, I, you know, like I'm sure maybe, and again, maybe like if I was a company or something, maybe I would like want to retain them and like try to remarket to them in like six months or a year or something like that. But um, you know, honestly, for my intense, uh, for my limited time, like I would rather focus on having 
really high quality engagement and really good numbers um, of the users who are on there than worrying about the people who aren't super happy. Like if, if you know if you want to come back later, you can come back later. There's nothing stopping you from re recreating your account. Well, right, and it's, so it strikes me that you made that decision, um, one, from a technical perspective, but two, to have active users, to have people really involved, which maximizes your time and so you can focus on those people. Mm -hmm. Got it. So that's why you made the decision that it was uh, with email, was the, oh, yeah, why, yeah. That, why, why you weren't going to change that. Got yeah, it. And I think this is really interesting that you figured out kind of what folks wanted um, and, 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 you know, like what it was and what it was, but what you wanted it to be, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think the other question is, so then how did you, I kind of want to wrap back to the question of like, how did you get it out there then? Since you kind of knew what you wanted it to be, how did you get the word out there about this, pro this project? Yeah, so um, a, a large portion of it was uh, that like going to conferences and, uh, or at least initially, just doing like a, a lightning talk um, and basically just trying to talk about it wherever I could. Uh, there, there are like podcasts just, um, I think in some cases I would actually just, if I was listening to a podcast, I'd be like, oh, this is a technical podcast. Maybe they're interested on this and I'd, and I'd pitch them basically and be like, hey, I should come on the podcast and talk about this. Um, like this was like five years ago. Uh, and were they receptive? Um, yeah, a lot of them were really like kind of, they thought it was a really good idea and like I, I guess one sort of interesting thing about making a, fr like it's a it's a free product, uh, we don't have, um, we don't have any, you know, I don't have any ads or anything on it um, as of now. You don't, so you don't, make, you don't make money from it? No, no, I don't, I don't make any Got money it. from it and the, the interesting thing about selling a free product is you have to sell it. I think I feel like you have to sell it like even harder than a like non-free product. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Uh, so like people have just this inherent. Um, it's almost kind of like this this inherent distrust. Like if I you know if I take you to the uh, the the Square website, you say, oh okay, like they you know they. I like it gives me this benefit, and they this is how they profit off of it, and like you know every, the world. The world is complete. The circle is complete. Yeah, right. We understand that, right? We understand sort of like, oh, I'm giving you money for this, and this is what I get, and mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, versus like, um, me. So me pitching code triage as a tool, as a product, like I still have to overcome that, um, like that inherent. Oh, you're mar you're marketing. You're just marketing. Like this is all just marketing. Um, like marketing for you personally. Is that what you mean? Well, it, it's like. If if I am if I'm pitching it, I'm on Reddit or something like that. Um, it's like code triage is the best place to get involved in open source. It's like it sounds markety because it needs to be short <laughs> because otherwise people won't read it, right? Um, and uh, and like there's a, there's a little bit of there is some pushback where um, like I say, okay, I want to like. Hey, can you put a link to my, you know, codetriage.com on this um, this wiki talking about open source, you know, talking about how to get involved in open source, or like, um, I see somebody talking about open source, and I and I message them with this, and I'm saying, oh, well, hey, can you can you maybe include this as a as a resource, and um, because it's a service, it, there's like a little bit of skepticism, and I mean, I, I think healthy skepticism as well. Um, 
Yeah, they can't see the angle on it, right? Like, what, what's your angle? Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like, that's kind of a thing that I've struggled with for a while. It's just, like, as I'm trying to promote this, it's like, you know, sure, I want people to use it because it's a thing I make, and, like, I love... Uh, you know, I love influencing the world in, in that way, but but I'm also like screaming, like I'm trying to do something good for the world. Like, why can't you right. people just let me? Right, right. That's so interesting because I think a lot of us would think it would be much easier to sell, so to speak, a free product rather than one that that costs money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think that's an assumption a lot of us would make. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I like. Is that actually true? Maybe maybe it's just how I feel, but that's it's definitely how I feel. But I think it's a really interesting perspective, and I can I can absolutely see that. And so, it, you know, obviously you had some bumps in the road trying to get the word out there, even about a, a free project. When do you think the tide started to turn? Because obviously, I mean, it's been a few years, but you're now at twenty thousand. Did they grow steadily, or was there a time when you you saw things start to really build momentum? Um, I mean, I've I'll I'll kind of work in sprints, um, and and I will say that I very have been very active after I got kind of the core feature set. I've been very active in in marketing. Um, like I I I consider it a like vital and like um, if I just spend all my time building features, nobody's ever going to hear about it, right? So I do have to. It's such a balance, isn't it? Yeah, and and so I, I do have to figure out okay. Well, if if I find one person says, as I'm reading some other article, they say, "Oh, I use this great resource for uh, contributing to, uh, you know, open source for my first time." Kind of just like cold, you know, emailing those people and saying, "Like, hey, would you, you know, would you add this link?" Um, there's a couple of them where I, I found. I think uh, I forget. It's like opensource.org, maybe, um, where they just they have blog posts, and I said, "Like, hey, can I write you a blog post?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." And I, I wrote them a blog post. They published it wholesale. Um, I I, I uh, have relatively recently switched over to my, on my own personal site writing a um, a blog post a week. And one of the things there um, is that since it's so regular, it has to be about things that I already know a lot about. And the, one of the things that I'm already working on, kind of in my free time, is this website. And so I link to it a bunch um, from there. Um, I would love to tell you. So I, I did also implement some other features like badges that people can put on their open source repos and like and link to. Um, oh, cool! And uh, and like that's another one where like my so my next step my next step would be writing some sort of a script that um, autos like auto generates a, a pull request to each of those projects that says, "Hey, here's a here's a badge for your you know readme like accept it or don't." But um, as opposed to people having to take that extra step, um, but it's just like to to date um, time and effort, right? Like I I haven't it just I it's in my head I want to do it, um, and I there are, there have been some pro- large projects who have put the button up there, um, and I do get a, a fairly decent number of of click throughs, but I also still want to invest um, time and effort making sure that it's still like a value add to those projects. I don't want it to just be like, oh, people come and then they sign up and then they like don't do anything. Well, yeah, and so so it sounds like there wasn't really a time when you feel like you went hockey sick. It's just been a lot of hard work over time continually trying to get the word out there about this project. Yeah, well, and, yeah, and, and honestly, it, it kind of just felt like one day I woke up and it was at 20,000. Um, <laughs> Isn't that interesting after all that hard yeah, work? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, and it's... And, 
I go through these periods of, of intense work, of intense marketing, of intense, you know, whatever, and I'm like looking at the needle and I'm looking at like uh, page views and click tracks and like all this other stuff. And, and it just, sometimes it can be so demoralizing, um, you know, but some of it you just need, uh, it's like, you need to give it a little bit of time and a little bit of space and a little bit of, of air to, to, to breathe. Yeah, it's so true. I want to go back to something that I'm really curious about with this whole idea of the balance between building features and marketing, mm -hmm. right? So because it's a side project again, so you're doing this on the side, you don't make money from it. Um, some projects cost money. Yours doesn't, pro other than your t opportunity cost of your time, doesn't cost you money since you get the, the free, you know, you know, you can run it for free through Heroku. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you... How do you find that balance and how do you make the, the you know, between fe building features versus marketing it? Ooh, uh, so I, I use my ultimate time scheduler, which is, uh, which is shower time. <laughs> I love that. I was like, what's this time scheduler? The shower? Yeah. Okay, talk to me more. Yeah, so um, I... I, I basically I take a shower every day. I I have uh, I have like a really greasy scalp. I don't know if that's necessary information to anybody listening. Um, so I, I I really need to take a shower every day, and like in the shower is kind of when my mind just sort of goes blank, and I'm like you know soaping up my hair or whatever, and and like these ideas will just pop into my head. Um, and sometimes it'll be about you know work and what I'm working on for Heroku, or sometimes it'll be a blog post idea. And sometimes it'll be, you know, okay, another side project idea that I that would be, oh, it'd be really cool to work on this or that. And if, like, basically, if this, if I kind of get the same thing again and again and again, and I keep on coming back to these same ideas, um, at some point in time, I'm just gonna say, you know what? Like, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't do this, if I don't ship this, then I'm not gonna be able to think about anything else. Um, ah. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to kind of free up that time. Um, I try to. I, I try to stack rank things in my life where I just say this is more important than this and is more important than this and it's more important than this and um, I, I, don't, I don't know I guess I, I see some of the marketing aspects as projects themselves instead of just being a uh, mm. instead of being I, I, I think some people think of marketing kind of like design like Oh, we can just build it, and then after the fact, we'll make it pretty. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. Like we can just build it, and then after the fact, we'll market it. And yeah, yep. you know, it just like like that's just not the way the world works, really. Um, it's interesting. So you, it sounds like you kind of integrate feature development, the product, and marketing all together. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I'm I'm at least kind of aware of it. I would say. Um, yeah. Like. So for, you know, for instance, it, it, when I said, okay, I worked on this feature for a really long time. Okay, nobody, nobody knows about it. Nobody's using it. Nobody, I'm not getting any feedback. Well, uh, was it a bad feature and I should just, you know, rip it out and then save my technical self, you know, years of maintaining this feature. Okay, well, you know, we need to, like the, the product cycle of shipping that feature is not done until we get some users on it, until we actually get some feedback on it. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, so... Um, yeah. So that's how you kind of balance it. It sounds like what I hear from you, your uh, your ultimate scheduling method <laughs> is the shower, and it kind of helps you. It's like a way that you tap into your intuition or, or you let your thoughts go free, and, and it sounds like that's where some of the thoughts come and it helps you to balance between the two. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Between, Honestly, this is kind of the first time I've actually externalized some of this stuff. So I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wow, that's, that's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a really good idea. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Right when we talk about it, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so got it. So you balance, you you kind of balance them, and I really love that idea because a lot of folks do. Uh, especially for side projects that we think about the product as the thing mm -hmm. and and then I think sometimes people get stuck you know uh, kind of like uh, kind of like I'm thinking of like a cat in a tree and then it's like oh now how do I get down and how do you get down from there is like the marketing how do I get it out to the world mm -hmm. is something that's often a side thought but if you don't have people using it then you don't have like to go back you don't have real users you don't have real information to know how to adjust it or to make it useful right mm -hmm. yeah ab absolutely and um, I mean also some of it for me was uh, time investment like I only have a limited amount of time in my in my free time especially since I'm, I'm taking um, so I'm, I'm taking courses at, at Georgia Tech right now um, and you know if if i don't have those users if i have one person using my service like it's so not worth my time to add this new super cool feature um so it, it's almost like a um i am i'm in it, like i'm trying to maximize the value that my own effort uh provides and, and in order to do that some of it is um is is juicing and trying to get people to actually use the things that I've already built and already made. Yeah, it's it's it, it's smart, right? That time investment and 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 people actually using something. So, have there been features that you've developed that you created and then you found people weren't using them and you kind of scrapped them, or did you find ways to make them more useful? Or I'm curious about what happened with things like that. If there's anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so I I have one example, which is I wanted. Um, like I wanted to kind of encourage and poke people and say like, hey, if if you if you haven't been active on the service for a while, like we you know we want you to be more active, and so one of, one of the ways that I did that was I actually started tracking, um, tracking if you've if you've clicked on any of the links that I've sent you, and and then what I would do with that information is I actually added the thing to the email that I would say like, hey, it's been seven days since you, you know, you've like triaged any issues or it's been like two weeks or like three months. And since I'm signed up for my own service, one of the things that I caught myself doing is every, every single time you get a new one, that number goes up. Every single time you get a new email from me, that number goes up. And what I, what I secretly, uh, in my head, I'm trying to in drive engagement. It's almost like shame. I'm trying to shame you. It's like, oh my gosh, it's been five months. Can you believe it? Like you really mm. just need to do something, anything, do, just do something. And in, okay. in reality, what was happening with me was that I was seeing that almost as a streak. It's like, 
Oh, interesting. So rather than being ashamed, you're like, that's my street. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> reverse psychology. I'm like five months. I bet I can go six months. I'll show you. <laughs> that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And so um, I forget what I did. I think I, I, so I think I limited it to uh, be a little less granular um, instead of. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how I, I resolved that. And also, over a year, it just says, like, it's been over a year. It doesn't, like, keep going. And do you find that, did that change behavior in folks when you cha- when you adjusted those, you know, the way that you were doing that? Uh, and, and so, I think so. I, it, like, if I was really well organized, I would probably be tracking this a lot more. Um... I feel like at the time I did a couple of queries with the database and kind of pulled some loose numbers, but that was a that was one that was really hard to track. Um, like right now, I'm I'm fairly happy with it. Uh, in in terms of um, in terms of engagement numbers, now it would like as we're having this conversation, it would be really interesting to see like what is the average, del- like what is that average delay for people. Yeah, I'm really, I, I'm curious. I was like, I want to know. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm sure that there are some people who it's like have not clicked on a single thing since I implemented that feature and it just like have banished me to like the Gmail filter or, or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess it would also be interesting to see. It's like, what is the longest reasonable time that someone, you know, someone can go? Um, and another idea I had, I, I was actually just reading an article on um, Duolingo, where, where they, so they have an app that helps you kind of learn another language, and um, I, was, I just got the idea from them, maybe it actually makes sense to flip it around, instead of it being a shame thing, like maybe if I can make it a positive thing, like it's, it's a, it is a streak, as opposed, you know, so you want to keep the streak, as opposed to um, you haven't been doing your job and like, you know, so like giving positive encouragement as opposed to negative encouragement. I, I think that would be uh, kind of a, a good yet very difficult experiment for me to, to me to go forwards with. Well, yeah, right. The carrot versus the stick. It's like such a perennial topic. And you think about like in, the, you know, motivation and psychology circles. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, and I have a ton of, of theories of change and theories of engagement. And it's like, um, you know, maybe we could do this. Maybe people want that, and like to some degree, you can kind of ask them. And and before I, bef- my time is relatively limited, so before I go on any huge endeavors, I will kind of pitch my idea to some people. Uh, but mm. at the end of the day, like a lot of people, a lot of people just totally have no idea what they want, and they have totally no idea like what actually works for them and what doesn't. And so, just completely relying on them to say like point blank this is what you should do next is you should always listen to them but like you should almost like there's the famous quote like Henry Ford if I listen to people like I would have made a faster horse um, like uh, yeah it, it, it just kind of reading in between the lines well right and I think you can also sometimes it's also maybe you can look at their behavior Oh yeah. Um, rather than asking, because sometimes we don't know, and asking a straight out, you know, we aren't sure, but we can watch someone's behavior, and and that's another way of listening, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. So um, I'm curious if we, if you look back, was there anything you would do differently about this? Like, you know, if you started over all over again. Oh, um, I think so. One of the one of the things that. 
I did eventually that I think has had a really big impact, though I unfortunately I wasn't super paying attention to the numbers around the time. Um, I got involved with a professional designer. Um, I, I actually saved up some of my own money and like just hired a designer to, to redesign the website, to like to build me a logo and design the website. Um, and if I had to do it again, I would have done that earlier, I think. Um, oh yeah, why is that? Well, it, I think it, it kind of comes back to what I was saying before about it being even harder to market as a, like a free service. Um, there's this trust component, and if you go to a website and it asks, it says, yep. I'm not going to, there's no visible way for me making money off of you, but I want your email address. I want you to sign up. I want you to click this button. Um, if it if it's kind of a sketchy, you know, bootstrap theme that it's like the padding is off, and like, I mean, I... I can I know my way around CSS a little bit, but like it's it's <laughs> you don't want me to <laughs> like it's it's so it's it's bad, um, you right. know and and because I'm working kind of with a ragtag group of people just showing popping up and it's like oh I want this feature okay build it for me all right they send it to me and now I have a mismatch of like code styles and like the way they designed it was different from you know the way this other thing is designed. Um, just having like a little bit of consistency has, has, I think really, 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 uh, for me anyway, just makes it a lot, um, a lot better from a user perspective. And it's just like, as I am a lot more proud of it, like I, I want people to go there. I want people to like, take a look at it. And, um, so I find I even work on it maybe a little bit more. Oh, that's interesting. And I mean... I love that you work on it more, and it's also interesting around the the, the credibility for folks, right? That just a little bit of branding and and web stuff can can really change our perception. I mean, you know, there's some sites I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting out of here right now. Like, ah, and we click click that button to close the tab. Mm -hmm. um, I think it can make a big difference. How long after? Like, how long did it take for you to make that? You know, to save up that money and and put like how long after you launched Ooh. did you you know brand and create a nice looking website. I think it was only like maybe a year ago. A year ago? Two years ago? Oh, so it was like a, like you probably had it going for at least a, a few years before you did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I did have like I did have people who would just randomly open up pull requests since it's 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 all open source. And so they would just be like, your website looks awful <laughs> here. Like, here I fix something. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. And, and it's like at some point in time, um, you know, it's like at some point in time I couldn't do that anymore. And I, you know, I also, I tried to find designers who are interested in like open source who would be willing to, um, who would be willing to work uh, for free. But at, at the same time, um, it's just not, it's kind of not, it's a different value. Like working in open source for developers is a little bit of a, a different value proposition because, you know, I use open source day in and day out. And if, if I find if I find my own bug, then I can fix my own bug, and then that's a value to me. Versus if a designer, if I'm asking for a designer to do this thing for free for me, like what what is the ultimate benefit to them other than the world is slightly, you know, a, a prettier, better place to work? Be with. Better looking, yeah, better looking place. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if that was their true motivation, then like all design would be free and everything would be gorgeous. Um, and like I don't, I have no idea how they would eat or or be paid. 
Um, and so, like, I, I decided that, and I, like, I have enough designers in my life. I said, okay, well, this is a, this is the thing that I want enough um, that I, it's it's worth paying for. Uh, and like, I mean, when it comes to design, you can like I've gone both ends. Like with this one, I actually engaged with Thoughtbot, and I I had done some other work from them, so they gave me like a really good rate. And actually, I know the designer who was put on the project, and like I ex, <laughs> uh, like he did he did a fantastic job. Um, but I've also like for my own personal website, I've gotten logos and stuff off of like Fiverr, and I will yep. say that um, it's kind of like two completely different ends of like the cost spectrum. But I'm I'm equally happy. Like the Fiverr, the downside of that is it took a lot more work on my side. Like I've I've paid for logos that I was not happy with, um, and that I had yep. to find someone else and like kind of iterate and do more legwork on my my own versus with um, with kind of a, a professional designer who I could was in house or I mean in a a, a, a shop a. Um, design but like agency yeah in an agency or some sort of larger company yeah yeah it, it, you know it's like they they brought a bunch of ideas to the table and then we had a conversation and then they propose it's like here's a proposal and then they you know it's like they i greenlit it and then they they went forward um and and so it was a little bit more um custom to me a little bit more handholdy and a little bit of a of a of a of a better experience um at you know at the end of the day like if I buy a website design from Fiverr and a you know logo from Fiverr and a this from Fiverr and a that from Fiverr, like is it all going to look good together? Um, like maybe, maybe not. Uh, and and that was kind of a, a comp. You know, I intentionally chose to do that as a comprehensive, um, comprehensive like package, I guess. Yeah, that's so. I mean. It it's true what you say about open source, right? Because open source is notoriously, you know, free, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the idea of, of free. And when you're engaging with other folks who are maybe not a part of a regular part of that ecosystem, I can see why a designer may not be interested in, in doing something for free. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's really interesting that you did that. And if you looked back, when do you think you would have done it? Would you have done it, like, how much sooner? Do you think you would do it at the beginning of a project? Would you do it a, a couple of years in once you got traction? Where, if, if we have our crystal ball and we can go, <laughs> instead of forwards, we can go backwards, what would you say? Um, I think w there, there was a period of time when I kind of switched gears, I think, from feature mode to marketing mode. Um, where I was more, where I was kind of confident in saying, okay, you know, the the core features of the product exist. I can I can add additional features, and I think that it will make it better. But it, it's not going to be light years better. Um, and I, I think that would have that would have been the time. So like probably actually after launch. Like I don't I don't want to ever invest hmm. a ton of money and a ton of effort and a ton of energy on like making something pretty if nobody wants to use it like like then I just wasted my yep. money um, and so like on on one hand I guess like it's almost even sort of better launching an ugly thing that people like because it's like they like it despite the <laughs> fact that it's you know it's awful and like hard to work with um, it tells you something right like that they're, yeah. they're willing to use it even though it's not great to work with or the, the experience is not great Mm -hmm. And and so like that you know that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a validation and kind of taking some steps down that road. Um, I mean, and, and it's also like, 
uh, for for me personally, like it, since it just came out of my own pocket, it's like, hey, okay, well, do I, you know, like I I'm not physically recouping this money ever. Um, so like when when uh, like right. that was kind of a shower thought. It was like, a, hey, I should you know I should do like I should save up and do this, and like that would be a like a good use of my you know time and 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 energy. Um, and and I think it, it did have to come sort of to that. Uh, to the value trade-off where I was saying, you know what, I am spending enough of my own personal time on this. Like, like I've, I've already invested my own, you know, countless human hours. Like, you know, what's, what, what's a couple of, a couple of dollars. Right. Yeah. For, for, yeah, for sure. That, I think it makes a lot of sense when you invest and how you invest on a, in a side project is incredibly, I think it's a challenge. Um, and you just have to kind of figure that out as you go oh. along in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so do you have any advice for someone, um, you know, doing a side project, let's say that's, you know, it's not making money, they're not planning to make money, any advice you might have for them? Um, I, I think trying to get other people involved as early on in the process is really helpful. Um, for me, having it be open source, I've had a number of contributors who not, you know, I've not had actually just one contributor that stayed on from the very beginning to the very end, but I've had people who have become interested in the project and I've, um, I've worked with them and I've gotten them, you know, commit access and I've gotten them, um, the, it's like, okay, deploy access to Heroku and ability to like merge issues. And, you know, each of them is interested in a different thing and has a different thing that they, they want. Um, and I find though, working with these people, really encourage like it, it, it's like if you want to go running um maybe you might want to join a running club because then you know you when it comes the day or the hour or whatever where you're supposed to be running um instead of just thinking like oh no i'm not going to do that you're, you're thinking about the other people and um you're mm. kind of maybe having that external motivation to to, to get in there and um and like, it's also some of the feet when I said, okay, we launched this feature and I'm really excited about it. And I talked to the world, like having someone else to comment, like the moment when you merge the pull request or you like deploy to production or whatever, having somebody else to like, like your tweets or, you know, part your GitHub pull request is um, like, it, it, it really, it really helps a lot. Right. The camaraderie uh, and someone else is there. It's not just you alone coding. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'd say that, and also this is by far like <laughs> it's like the worst advice I can ever give, and kind of the best advice is like be be prolific. Um, hmm. Like interesting. Just, why why is that? Well, why is it, it the best and the worst? <laughs> well, yeah. So it's like this is by far not my first side project, um, and it, it just so happens to be one of the ones that has kind of endured over the years. Uh, and people continue to get value out of it, uh, but like if if I had just put one thing out there and then it had you know didn't do very well, it didn't get many page views or anything like that, then um, and I just quit, then I never would have got to this point. Um, so it's like keep experimenting, keep trying. Is that what you mean by be pro prolific? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean I think with every 
<laughs> like it's so tough to give this to give generalized advice. Um, right? I, I know. <laughs> and then I asked that question anyway. I wanted to see what you had to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and, and it's with with every new project that you have and every new thing that you launch. Um, like you kind of learn a little bit. Like at one point, in, like all of my um, opinions on marketing and like kind of know-how uh, of like, oh, you know, how did I even think of um, writing a blog post for this open source company? Um, like, I mean, I know a lot of developers uh, who kind of hold their nose at that. They, they, you know, they're very pure in their work and they say, okay, if it's good, then, you know, it's like everybody thinks their project is the field of dreams and if you build it and it's good, then people will come. And that might happen like one percent of one percent of the time um right but it's like you um like i i just think think in tropes <laughs> i think in like uh, uh, uh -huh. it, it, so one thing just came into came to mind um that i think of a lot is just seeing it someone who's been successful and it's like okay you know it's an overnight success that's 30 years in the making um yep. where it, it just like it might be the first time you've ever heard of them and it might be the first time that you've ever seen this project or you've ever seen this this thing of theirs but um, when we when we look at other people's successes don't uh, you know don't just assume that it's the first thing that came out of their mind and out of their mouth and that it just it just worked immediately uh, but it you know if if you um, you know kind of try to find what drives you for me it's I want to make an impact I want I, I get really driven by um, having people come message me and say oh my gosh I used your tool and now I'm on the you know the core team of this project or oh I you know I wouldn't be where I was today without um, uh, like a, a, a technology course that I put out a while ago and like, like I get kind of addicted to that feedback and that um, and that kind of, a, of, of an impact and so like that's a thing that that's the thing that you want to create and why right it's like is it impact is it that's what i hear you saying right yeah, what drives yeah. you what yeah so the why like, of your side project is really important yeah when you so and when you can when you can figure that out um then you know try and keep it try and keep a a bigger picture and maybe don't focus on you know it's okay if that feature that you you just launched isn't super big and super well received you know maybe you can market it a little bit or maybe uh maybe the next project will be better or maybe the next feature will be better or um j just how do you how do you move forwards as as opposed to being obsessed and consumed with with the now and the the numbers uh, and the feedback of the now and start looking forward to the future I love that. I feel like it's like keep, keep moving, keep going. Oh yeah. I was gonna say there's a truism that it, for open source, like open source is a shark. If it ever stops moving, then it just dies. Uh, and I don't necessarily oh think that's entirely that. true with side projects because my side project <laughs> definitely stops moving. Um, but yeah, just uh, keep keep pushing forwards. I love that idea of that. That open source is a shark. I've not heard that before, but um, I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you very much. This has been amazing.